On today's Court Visions podcast, we have reoccurring guest Dennis Gorman with the Associated Press and News Today. Him and I talk about the Brooklyn Nets and Knicks offseason, along with other NBA offseason moves such as the Houston Rockets and the Lakers. Awesome interview with Dennis. Let's go. Today is Friday, August 16th, and we have reoccurring guest Dennis Gorman on. Dennis and I talk about the Nets and Knicks. Uh, Dennis covers the Nets and the Knicks for the Associated Press and News Today. He has a lot of information, knows a lot about both teams inside and out. So this is a great interview because he touches upon, upon team chemistry, or the, the signings that were made. Awesome, awesome interview with Dennis. This interview will be the whole episode today. Here's Dennis. All right, today on Court Vision Blog Podcast, we welcome back Dennis Gorman. Dennis, how have you been? Good, Jeff. How have you been? I've been great. How's the summer going? Good, good. I can't complain. How about you? It's going pretty well. I can't complain myself. Uh, you know, nice weather. We have a tough, a really rocky weekend with that heat wave that we had to come through. Yeah. Oh, man, but yeah, you must have had a crazy uh, summer with covering some of the NBA news and the crazy offseason that happened. Yeah, it's certainly been interesting for sure. Yeah, so I will we'll get right into it. We'll talk about your uh, the the Nets. So you know, what do you think with the signing of Katie, Kyrie, and uh, DeAndre, and what does that do for? What does that bring that team in the long run? Well, I, I certainly think it it uh, you know it it accelerates their rebuild. Right, um, because now it's not they just it's not just that they were a playoff team last year. Now they're a team that's coming off a, play, a playoff appearance, and they've attracted top free agents. So I think it makes the Nets a destination franchise for uh, high end NBA players if they're able to be successful with Durant and Kyrie Irving and uh, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I think being able to get those three guys and then plus the additions of Temple and Prince, I think, and being able to keep almost the same roster, it makes them a really uh, a, a finals competitive too. And I think you're right with it. It actually took my question. I was going to ask him if this makes them a destination going forward for free agency. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has to, right? Uh, I know, uh, you know, I, I know during the season when other teams would come into the Barclays Center, uh, visiting players, visiting coaches would talk about the job that Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson had, had done, kind of kind of rebuilding the Nets from where they were at the end of the Billy King era to you know where they were now at the end of last year. And you know, people talked about the fact that they played hard, that there seemed to be a real, you know, camaraderie within the Nets, that they played they played for each other, and they could see that they were successful. And all of those things, you know, th- th- those things matter if you were, I think, if you're a player. And now that they could say, not only are we successful, not only do we win games, we can now go into the free agent market and get a Kevin Durant. We can get a Kyrie Irving. We can get a DeAndre Jordan. We can bring in 
high-end players that you want to play with and still have the kind of culture and atmosphere that makes it fun to play here and, and to be a Brooklyn net. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, it's huge. I think it's that with those guys being able to go there, like it becomes the biggest attraction and that's, that is important. And I, I want to ask, what do you think it does for the, uh, the chemistry that they've built and like that atmosphere that we spoke about in our last, last time we spoke with each other, the atmosphere that they have built the nets. Do you think, you know, having, I know Kyrie with his issues in the past and Durant's been a little bit more outspoken um, what do you think those guys, do those guys respect that and go start going to those G League games or like, you know, like, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think it's going to be incumbent on both sides, both for the exist, the players that were there last year and, you know, the guys that, that came in this year to kind of find some kind of happy medium, right? Because, you know, maybe not, maybe, for argument's sake, maybe Kevin Durant wants to rest on a Tuesday night because they got a game Wednesday against Golden State, and I, I, I don't think that I don't think it's necessarily fair to blast him for wanting to rest. At the same point, if they have a couple nights off, yeah, maybe you go check out what the Nets have going on in the G League. Maybe you know you welcome a guy like a Theo Pinson, uh, you know, into into the you know. You, you you have some interaction with a Theo Pinson. It's not, you know, in a situation where Theo Pinson doesn't feel well, doesn't feel like he can interact with those guys. So I think they, there has to be some kind of balance there. And I, and I think that, that, that this is an organization that's smart enough and they have the right people in place to kind of make that work. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope so because, you know, I like the direction that they're going in. Uh, I was unfortunate to see uh, D'Angelo Russell go, but you know this is uh, a Brooklyn Nets team with a probably a quick the quickest turnaround and a rebuild, I think. And now you're looking at a championship contender. Um, you know, I think we've seen seen that now with some of the little brother teams of the bigger cities. Speaking of like you know like the Clippers are also championship contenders. So we have now that became like a destination. So now you look across the bridge. Now your thoughts. Now what are your thoughts on the, the Knicks and their signings and you know, they signed Todd Gibson, they signed Julius Randle, they signed a Reggie Bullock, and they signed a Marcus Morris. Um, what are your thoughts on those guys? Well, they, they have depth. Uh, I'm not sure it's quality franchise-changing depth, although, uh, you know, I, 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 recently I looked at how they finished last year, and they were, I believe, 17-65. So you look at some of the guys they brought in, Randle, Gibson, Morris, um, Bobby Portis, um, obviously RJ Barrett and then, you know, Alfred Payton. And at first glance, they look like they're a little bit better, but the question is what, how, how much better are they? Are they three wins better? Five wins better? I mean, I, I don't think they're the 10 wins better. I think if you look at five games, if they're five games better, they're still what? 22 and 60. And yeah. Last they checked, uh, they don't throw parades for teams that are 22 and 60. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think if they got the first pick, do you think they would have thrown a parade for them? <laughs> I, I, I think if they got the first pick, there would have been parades thrown for them, yes. But uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't meant to be. Yeah, unfortunately. But, yeah, you know, I, 
it's interesting to see what they those guys that they brought in they all signed for two-year deals and i'm wondering is this a plan for the future they're going to try to hit the 2021 free agency mark and when there's a giannis and there's i think a durant is back out there again so well it sounds like that's the thinking but i would always be cautious about that because you're then banking on you know, two years from now and having a culture in place and that is attractive to players. And, um, and I think the problem is that right now there isn't the, the, the culture with the Knicks isn't attractive. There was a piece recently in the New York times where they talked to players and agents and essentially the players and agents said, Yes, the Knicks, you know, have New York City, and yes, they have Madison Square Garden, and those are great selling points. But the negative is, players have have seen what the Knicks have done to, you know, perceived franchise players over the last twenty years with um, how Carmelo Anthony was treated, how Porzingis was treated. You know, there was always these kind of, you know. Uh, Anonymous sources ripping these guys behind the scenes or, you know, to, to reporters and this criticism that they're not doing nearly enough. Well, and it's like, well, you can't make a team better when, you know, in Carmel Anthony's case, he had Lou Admondson as his post presence at one point. Yeah. And, you know, Porzingis had, uh, you know, Noah Vonley last year. I mean, no disrespect to Noah Vonley. He's a nice guy, but you have to have quality players there, and you have to have, I think, a culture where everyone is on the same page. It's not where you don't have individual... uh, We we have individual agendas running the day, and right now that seems to be the case. Do you think over there, is it primary just like ownership? Like, is it James Dolan himself, like, is causing the issues? Or is it, you know, overall, like, the front office period? Like, it's just like everyone in the front office just has, as you just mentioned, like a different agenda. You see, that's, that's a hell of a question. Because if you look, James Dolan is also the owner of the New York Rangers. And if you talk to people in NHL circles, players, agents, they will all say great things about the Rangers culture and the way the Rangers treat their players. You know, so to me, it's if you're treating your hockey players great, if you're James Dolan, why can't your basketball organization study the blueprint that your hockey organization has had in place since the 2005, 2006 season when they've been a fairly decent NHL squad for that, you know, that, that time period. Yeah, for I mean, for a pretty decent time that I know of from, yeah. I, from hockey, you know. I feel like they've always had a, a decent team. And it's, you know, then you have a Knicks franchise that I think people are hungry for a winning culture. Knicks fans are just hungry for that winning culture there. And I think it's so tough because they're not attracting any free agents. And I don't, like, you know, I'm not too sure what it is. And, like, that's what you bring, bring up a great point. It's like how the Rangers are players are treating how the Rangers are doing it's like why can't you just follow the same suit yeah and that's and that and that to me is is the hundred million dollar question because it seems you know I mean 
take away the differences of the sports, organizational culture, I think, is something you can blueprint. You know, and it's how you treat your players, how you respect them, how you make it so you want so that players want to play for you. And right now, you have a situation where, you know, Charles Oakley is, you know, publicly telling players, don't go play for the Knicks. And Charles Oakley, arguably one of the greatest Knicks of the last 30 years, you know, because of the way he played. And now, and now he's essentially son and on grata over at the garden, which yeah. is a, which is a shame. Yeah. That's disappointing. Cause you don't like you, if you were a uh, Laker or uh I'm like going to the Lakers or Celtics, you don't want a Magic Johnson or a Larry Bird to tell you, don't go to this team. Right. You want your alumni to be able to sell the best players in your sport on why you want to, why they should, uh, what, why they should play for you. And when Charles Oakley is, and I think there was a, a photo or video of him on Twitter, uh, out to dinner or out with Kevin Durant or, or Kyrie Irving and, he was telling them, don't go to the Knicks, you know, stay away from the Knicks. That's a that's an indictment on, on the organization. And I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I believe that was out there. But, yeah, it's it's such an indictment on, on the organization, because now you, you have, you know, a guy that players respect telling them stay away from one of what should be one of the flagship organizations in the league yeah that should be those the knicks and the lakers and like those teams that everyone those major city teams that everyone wants to see they should be you know top tier and you see like teams like that make it like the lakers made a turn and you know the celtics obviously made a turn and you want to see someone like the knicks you know you want to see them make that turn but because it's fun to watch the I like i love watching the rivalries between the two like between the celtics and the knicks i think those are so much fun to watch and it's just, it's disappointing to, like, you know, you know you kind of just chalk it up almost as a, a win, like, watching them play against each other. Yeah, exactly. Those are the games that get, that get fans excited. You know, when it's Knicks-Celtics when both teams are good, or Knicks-Bulls when both teams are good, or Knicks-Lakers when both teams are good, or Knicks-76ers when both teams are good. People get excited for those games but people haven't been excited for the Knicks in about 20 years because most of the time they've been just this in this in organization that can't get out of its own way off the court and on the court they they find ways to lose games in just mind-numbing fashion yeah and <laughs> and you know that un- until that changes until the culture begins to change I, I i don't see them getting being competitive anytime soon so how much like a pressure does that bring on to a young guy like i know we seen i mean rj bear had some ups and downs in the summer league um you know what does that bring to like an rj bear and a kevin knox that pressure being the forefront of this organization I, I think they're under a t- they're they're going to be under a ton of scrutiny. I mean, you saw it last year. There was there were some stories right at the end of November uh, in the New York Post where 
scouts and talent evaluators were questioning what Kevin Knox does well. And he had played, I think, at that point, maybe 10, 15 games into the season. So just it was such a small sample size. But, you know, when you're constantly needing a savior and every 19-year-old that comes into the organization is being is being given that title of savior, I think it's really, really difficult to, to, to live up to that because then you have to be guys that right off the bat are averaging 27 points, you know, six rebounds, four assists, two steals per game. And these are guys that are really only have one year of college that had only played one year of college basketball. So they're going to have growing pains and to kill them for not being Kevin Durant or for not being uh, Steph Curry or, or not being LeBron James is, to me, short-sighted and be just setting them up, setting them up for failure. Yeah, I think it can be detrimental to a guy's career. Um, I mean, I know for, like, watching some of R.J. Barrett's games and – I saw some articles already, like, kind of criticizing him on his summer league games. Like, he had 10 points his first game, and he was a plus-minus for 14. He had 8 points his second game, and then he turned it on in the third and the fourth and the fifth game with, like, averaging averaging a double-double, pretty much. I mean, but those first two games, everyone kind of just jumped all over him. And I was like, well, give the kid a chance, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and to me, the, the, the thing is... I'm always a big believer in sample sizes and two games out of five in summer league is such a, I mean, it's a small sample size because it's only a five. You're only playing five games anyway, right? It's not, you know, you you, you don't have a real body of work to look at things. I mean, so the fact that he didn't average 25, seven, five and three steals to me, is irrelevant. I mean, I think the things you need to be looking at in summer league are: is he able to, you know, knock down, you know, not knock down some shots, or is he able to get past people? I mean, you, you, you know, can he defend? You know, can he score in, in in the low post? I think you're looking at those kind of things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think the fact that he wasn't dominant in summer league is 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 a ridiculous is a ridiculous point because you know who else wasn't dominant in summer league Zion Williamson he played he played one half of one game and then New Orleans shut him down last uh, last I checked the Pelicans weren't shopping Zion Williamson around yeah exactly yeah I think you have to give I love I think Barrett might be the best player in this draft that's that's my thoughts I think just because all around and what he came out with, I think he's going to be something great. I just, I just would like hopefully Nick's media gives him a, and fans give him a chance. You know, not to jump all over him. And like you said, you know, you can't just jump all over him in a small sample size. I mean, even though he improved like within the other three games that he played in, but you know, hopefully we can see him come out and have a great rookie season. You know, I think if I was a Knicks fan, I'd be happy to see him average fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you saw, if he averaged 15 points a game and you saw some growth over the course of the year that, you know, he's 
went from being a guy who was a questionable perimeter shooter to someone by the end of the year who you felt comfortable could knock down, you know, maybe 30% of his threes, you know, where, the, where there's a upward progression, I think you'd feel fine with that. But, you know, I'm also not sure that he's going to have that kind of, um, he, that he's going to be given that kind of cushion uh, from, you know, just just because of where he was drafted and the organization's needs. Yeah, that's that's tough. Well, we'll see how he does this season. Hopefully, he. Uh, I hope he does play well, and I, I think him and Kevin Knox are a good young core for this Knicks team. Yeah, and, and I think the guy that people keep forgetting about is Mitchell Robinson. Uh, you know, he's 7'1", he's 240, but he's already a pretty good rim protector, and he's a guy that, you know, he, he can fit, you know, he offensively he can finish around the rim. So, you know, he, he so if Knox or Barrett miss shots, he can grab an offensive rebound and get a put back and draw a foul. And I think that's that's a really huge thing for, for the Knicks as, as they begin to rebuild. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think they have a good, oh, actually, you mentioned Smith. I forgot about, I actually keep forgetting about Dennis Smith Jr. I think he's also a good fit with that team, too. They got a really good young core now that I'm like actually thinking about it more. Yeah, I mean, to me, Dennis Smith, and I'm and I'm going to kind of show my age here. He reminds me of a more athletic uh, Vinnie Johnson from the Detroit Pistons. He seems like he's a guy who can score in bunches and could be a guy that's instant offense off the bench. And I I think if you have that, that's that's huge. I mean, just look at the the Warriors in the playoffs last year. You know, by the time they got to the finals. You know, they were they didn't have Durant, you know, they had Curry, they lost uh they lost Clay Thompson in game I guess it was game five they lost him. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So by the time game six rolled around, it was basically Curry, Draymond Green, um Igadala was, you know, pretty much running on fumes and they had a bench that gave them nothing. A guy yeah. like theoretically <laughs> a guy like Dennis Smith could have come off their bench and given them offense you know he could have been a guy that could have spelled curry or you know just given him a little something and to me that's that's important if you're building a uh if you're building a team is to have a bench that can contribute yes definitely yeah i think that's i think that's huge and like you mentioned i think the warriors once they look you know if they were healthy i think they won a championship but now that like missing those two you know two key pieces especially Durant being one of them as they obviously didn't win the championship because they had no bench to help them out. Right. Exactly. You know, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough losing a top three player in the NBA, but then you also lost another top, maybe a, a top 20 player in Clay Thompson. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many teams, can survive that and give the Warriors full credit. They were a, a missed Steph Curry three away from forcing a game seven. So yeah, they, they played through it pretty well. Um, but speaking of the Warriors, let's go right into the NBA free agency and how crazy it was this year. Um, I, what do you think about the NBA landscape? And now that we have like a lot of dynamic duels instead of super teams, I mean, I, I think it makes it makes the league so much. I mean, it, it's to me, it's the most interesting league in sports 
just because you have so many great teams and great personalities to begin with. But now you have these duos across the league, and, and now you have so many potential great matchups on a nightly basis. Like, Lake, Lakers-Clippers becomes a marquee matchup. Um, Houston, uh, God, for to think. Uh, Houston-Portland it becomes a really interesting matchup. You know, Knicks Sixers, uh, Celtics Bucks, you have all these great matchups. And, you know, I think that makes it that it's intriguing to fans, it's intriguing to media, and it generates revenue. People are going to want to tune in to watch these games. People are going to want to be in the building to watch these games, to see the best players go head to head. So, yeah, I think, I think it's great. I, yeah, this is, I think this is the most excited i've been for a basketball season in a long time because i think this is the first time i think i can say that i don't know who's going to make the finals and you know i mean like every year i feel like you could say warriors or Cavs or something like that but this year it's like i don't know who's going to make it right i mean if you look at the west you can pick out maybe five or six teams that could come out of the west and 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 be in the NBA Finals, and I think that's good for the league. I think it's 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 a good parity because you it's not just it's not the parity that the NHL has with its with its hard salary cap, which limits how much a team can spend. You have guys, you know, going to markets that maybe they wouldn't have thought of before. You know, Houston. You know, Houston was always kind of a mid-sized market, but now you have, you know. Uh, you you have uh, Westbrook and Harden. Who's not going to want to watch those guys every night? Yeah, and then former teammates too. Like, yeah, it's a crazy thing it's to see how well they mesh. Right, and then you you look at Portland. You have McCollum and and Lilliard. Who's not going to want to watch those guys? And obviously, you have the two teams in LA. I mean, there's just there's so many. Yeah, you, you have Utah. There's so many good teams. Denver. Oh, it, it, the West is going to be a, a ton of fun to watch. And then you, you also look at the East. You know, right now you look at Philly, Brooklyn, the Celtics, you know, being top teams, Milwaukee. So, yeah, it, 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 you have, I think that's about nine teams I listed right off the top of my head that you could potentially see in the finals in some way, shape, or form. Which is, I think, do you think this is the most competition we've seen? Yeah, I mean, as far back as I can remember, I mean, I, I'm i old enough to go back to the Lakers-Celtics rivalry in the 80s, and then after that you had Lakers-Pistons, and then Lakers-Bulls, and then Bulls, you know, all the teams that they beat over the years. But, you know, you could, like you said, you could always kind of, you could always have, you always had a window of a small number of teams that you thought could get to the finals, and, but now this year it's so wide open, which I think is, 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 is healthy for the league. Because if, if I'm a fan of the Utah Jazz, I can tell I can, I can, I can say, you know what? My, I, go, I can buy a season ticket package because my team has a chance to get to the NBA Finals. And that's, that's, that's a positive. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, I don't know, and you mentioned all the teams out west. It makes me want to move out to the west coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay up to watch all the games. <laughs> oh, for sure. And then, and then you look kind of, you look ahead a little bit. You look at what New Orleans did just in, in the, 
and the Anthony Davis trade, just all all of what they got back, plus the draft picks, and then what Oklahoma City was able to do in the in the Westbrook trade, those are teams that in a couple of years could be challenging, you know, some some of those other teams for a uh, for 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 Western Conference supremacy. Oh yeah, definitely. I think New Orleans with that trade was. I'm, I think they definitely made a big splash. I think they're a team that in next two or three years are going to be right in the playoffs. A- absolutely, I think you 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 can you can see that kind of you can see that pathway for them, and and, th- and that's a positive because if I'm a New Orleans Pelicans fan, I can see I can see where my team can be in the playoffs, and I can see them being competitive. And that to me should should be really enticing for me to want to watch them. You know, it's it's bad. I think if you're a fan, if you tune into the games, but you know ahead of time my team doesn't have a chance to win, or my team doesn't have a chance to be competitive, and they don't. You know, it's like being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, right? (laughs) Where where you know every season your team is going to be. You know, seventy-eight and eighty-four. Well, what? How much? You know, how excited can you be about the season then? You know, yeah. whereas if you're a Pelicans fan or an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, hey, my team has a ton of draft picks. They got young players. You know, they're going to get better, and there's a chance that this team can compete. And I think that's if you're a fan, that's all. That's all you want. You want to have. You want to have your team have a chance to compete. Yeah, that's honestly that's it. And then I, you know, I think with what Oklahoma City did too is I think they're loaded up for like the next like ten years of draft picks, which is absolutely like crazy to see a team of like all the draft picks that they received for all the trades that they made. Yeah, and and the thing with draft picks is obviously you, you can use them on on college players or European players, but you can, you can also use them as currency in trades. You know, yeah. say. Let's say there's a team that has a star player, but there's nothing around him, and you and they've decided it's time to rebuild. They can use some of those picks that they have as currency in a deal, and still not be in a position where they they're short. You know, they're handcuffing themselves. That's that's an excellent point. Yeah, that's really true because then if they rebuild and get themselves close, and they're maybe one superstar away, they can get someone from another team. You know. Yeah, exactly. They can get someone from another team and still say, we still have picks, you know, we, we still have picks we can we can use for, for other things. I, I, I think you look at what Sam Presti did and you have to be you have to be impressed. Yeah, it'd be it's I it'd be interesting too to see what they do with Chris Paul this year. What are your thoughts about that? I mean I, I think Chris Paul is a guy that's gonna get moved at some point. Um He's not going to – I don't think he's going to want to be part of a rebuild. I think he's at a point in his career where he wants to win a championship, and I don't think it does him any good to, to you know, to stay in Oklahoma City. And, you know, I think the last thing I had heard was Miami was interested or Miami might have made a move for him but uh, or was planning on making a move for him. But I, 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 yeah, I, I see Chris Paul as someone who is – not gonna put, not gonna spend a, is not gonna put down roots in Oklahoma City. No, 
I, I think I think you're right, and that's it'd be interesting if he did go to Miami. Him and Jimmy Butler together, um, two pretty strong personalities on the same team, would be interesting to watch them play together. <laughs> yeah, and I but I think the one issue there is, and you know, I, I'm a big fan of both of their games, but are they franchise changing stars? I and I would argue. They're really good. They're really good players, but they're not franchise-changing stars. It's they're not Kawhi Leonard. They're not uh, um, LeBron and Anthony Davis. You know, it's you know I'm not even sure they're KD and, and Kyrie Irving. I think they're good players, and you know, guys that might get Miami to seventh, sixth, or seventh in the East. But you know, I, I don't see them as guys that you know can lift. Um, What's the heat to a championship? I think they're like a, I, like you said, I, I agree. I think they're like a, as I call it, like a Robin to, they're a Robin to someone, to a Batman on a team. I feel like they're a good secondary player to have on a team with, with a superstar. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. I mean, they're guys that are, to me, they're secondary stars. They're really good players, but they're not the guys you build the franchise around. And, yeah. Um, and right now, you know, you have to find a way to get those guys in order to be, you know, to consider yourself a championship caliber contender. Definitely. And what are your thoughts on the, the Rockets trade with, uh, you know, for Westbrook, getting Westbrook and teaming up hard and the two of them together? You know, I know Chris Paul, we just mentioned Chris Paul. So I'm, I'm interested in what your thoughts on putting those two guys back together. I mean, those two guys are going to score a lot of points together. Um, I, I think we we know they're great scorers. Uh, we know Westbrook is an absolutely fearless player, and in Harden is too. My concern is who becomes the distributor on that team, and and can that and does that and can that person find enough touches for? other guys in in that lineup because you can make an argument that between Westbrook and, and, and Harden, that's, you know, you know, that's maybe, you know, what, 400 shots a season <laughs> each between the two of them, uh, each, you know, yeah. so who, who else is going to give you scoring? I mean, when you look at why the Warriors were so successful the last five or so years, you had balanced scoring with Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, Durant. You know, you, you got something from Draymond Green. You got some contributions from Iguodala. Um, you know, to me, so my thinking is the ball has to move a little bit, and I don't think the ball is going to move a whole lot between outside of uh, Westbrook and in Harden. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see, like, as you mentioned, the ball moving on, because, I mean, last year between Harden and Chris Paul, I think we just watched them, two different players figure out a way to dribble out a shot clock in two different ways, you know. Uh, it's so I want I'm interested to see how well they're going to uh, – play with each other and how, like you know D'Antoni I mean D'Antoni's offense is like I always thought like with Phoenix it was move the ball push the pace and everything like that you know 
It, it was. I mean, it, it was the precursor to the current NBA, right, where everyone was playing up-tempo. There was ball movement. There were, th- you know, there were, there were three-pointers being taken. It was, it was what the current NBA is now. Um, so, and, and I do think hard, Harden and Westbrook can play up-tempo. The, my question is, is, is the ball movement, you know, are, are they going to be guys that are going to be willing to sacrifice their shots, you know, and maybe their points to help their teammates get, get a better shot and, and, and some scoring. I mean, that was kind of, that was one of the reasons that Kevin Durant, you know, left, uh, left Oklahoma city. I mean, he didn't say it, he didn't say it outright, but he talked many times in his first year about how, the Warriors play basketball the way he thinks basketball should be played, which was an indictment on Oklahoma City and and specifically Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I do. I actually do remember that now that you, you, you talk about that because I do remember a lot of people criticized Westbrook a ton in the playoffs when he when they were together that he just didn't move the ball enough for you know he didn't find the open players and. You're absolutely right. I mean, like, look how the Warriors, the Warriors share the ball. Then there's no, they put super, they put stardom aside, but they know who their star is at the same time. Right, right. I mean, and, and even look at Toronto this year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was basically their closer, but they had other guys contribute. It wasn't, it wasn't one on five, and I think that's the, uh, that's the way you have to play. I think you have to have multiple scoring options and it can't be two on five. I think this would be three or four guys that can, that could score fairly regularly to give you a chance to win. Yeah. Oh yeah. You definitely need that. I don't, I don't think like, I just don't know. I don't get what happened in Houston this year. It just didn't make sense. Cause it looked like they were a team last year that were pretty close. At least two. Were they, were is it seven games to them or six games close to they went to the Warriors. Two I years. want to say, I want to say seven games because I, I don't think I think they were up three two, but Chris Paul didn't play game six or seven. That's so, right. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say I just I'm kind of I'm so I'm just curious of what happened <laughs> this last year. Yeah, I don't know, uh, and I think that's that's a hundred million dollar question. What happened? Um, because they they were a group that was close, and you could you you could see a pathway for them being the team that eventually knocked off the Warriors and took its place as the you know as, as the Kings of the West. But you know this year, I I just think things went sideways, and by the time the season ended, I just think people in that organization felt a change needed to be made. Um, because they they had taken, if not a sideways step, then you could argue maybe a backward step. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that. I don't. I just. It was just a weird. It was weird. Even when I I went out there and I saw I saw them play against the Warriors, and it was just it was tough to watch. <laughs> yeah, and you know, from when I when I would see them, it seemed like you had five guys with five different agendas, and I, and I don't think. You couldn't win that way. Uh, 
in 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 the NBA or really in in, in any sport or and taking it further in in having in, in in any organization you have to have kind of a focused agenda like you know we're going to put out this product and it's going to be the best product it can possibly be or we're trying to win basketball games you know if your agenda is i want to score 40 points a game and i don't care if we win well the odds are you're probably not going to win many games exactly I, uh, it's going to be interesting. I hope that they play well. I'm, um, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, all right, a couple more questions, and then we'll wrap it up here. Uh, who, who do you think is going to win the NBA championship this year? Oof, um, that's <laughs> a really good question. I, I do like what. Um, certainly, I think you, you have to like what the Clippers and the Lakers did. Um, I still think you look at Portland as being a team that there's probably another level they can get to. Um, you know, Milwaukee looks like they they have a really legitimate shot. Um, so yeah, that's that's a tough question, but I I will say I think whoever wins wins the titles coming out of the West. I just think whoever comes out of the West will be very battle tested and. Um, Whereas the East, I think, I mean, other than the teams we had, I mentioned earlier, I think the pathway is a little bit easier to come out of the East. Yeah. Um, so, so whoever comes out of the East might not be as tested as whoever comes out of the West. So, um, I'm, if you'll if you'll allow me, I'm going to say whoever comes out of the West is going to be the uh, the NBA champion. All right, I'll allow that one. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's fine with me. Yeah, I agree. I I think that the West. I think like you mentioned, I think there's four legit teams in the East, and I think the West has a, at least six or seven uh, legit teams. And I think that whoever's whoever's coming out of that Western Conference is either a if someone from the East wins that 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 West team's got to be beat up and tired. But I feel like the NBA gives you enough rest in between games. But still. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have enough time to rest. And really, at that point of the year, everyone's beat up. Plus, you know, I mean, look at, you know, Kyle Lowry in the in the finals last year. He was playing on a thumb that needed surgery. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was, you know, his quad was bothering him. You, you could see it during games. So, it, you know, it was, it was a... Uh, you know, no one's no one's a hundred percent healthy. But yeah, I, whoever comes out of the to me, it's whoever comes out of the West is probably your is probably going to be your champion. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I actually, uh, I think the Clippers might do it, but I hope part of a secret. I just I would kind of root for them because I do like Kawhi and Paul George together as a combination. Where do yeah, you, go ahead. Yeah, I, I do like them as a com combination. Plus, you look at some of the. Other pieces that are around them, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, they have they have a they have some depth to them. They have a nice they look like they have a nice little group there. I think you you, you can really you can see it, it doesn't take too much of a leap of logic to see them coming out of the West. No, and I think they were a team that gave a healthy Warriors a hard time too in the first round of the playoffs too. They absolutely did. Um, yeah. So yeah. 
I, you know, and then you add, you know, again, you add a Paul George and you add a Kawhi Leonard. That's a group that finally, you know, that's a group that has two guys in the fourth quarter that you can dump the ball into and be reasonably confident that they're either going to score or they're going to draw a foul and go to the line. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And so now my question to you, uh, and this might this might be a very hot take on my behalf, is why and Paul George, are they the two best wing players we've seen played against? It's Jordan and Pippen. Ooh, that's a really good question. And, I mean, as a tandem, I, I would think you have to say yes. Um, with the caveat that they haven't played together yet. But, I mean, the other t- duo that kind of comes to mind was uh, Durant and, and Clay Thompson in Golden State for a couple of years. They were really good. That's true, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's hard to argue. I, I think it's hard to argue against Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, that's... They're going to be. Uh, they're going to, they should be a lot of fun to watch as, as as a tandem. Yeah, I think those two. I think with those two guys, the way they play on both sides of the ball, it's going to be like. I I think a lot of teams are going to be a lot of trouble playing against the Clippers. Yeah, and those two guys, and then Patrick Beverly's a really good shutdown defender. So you could. I think you're going to see a lot of nights where they force a lot of turnovers, and score a lot of points off. You know, fast break dunks and fast break layups, and you know that's huge because that, you know, that's it's a four point swing. It's you know, they're taking two points away from you and adding two points to their ledger. So, yeah, I think that's that's going to make them really tough to play against and and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think I think we're in for overall just a fun season this year of uh, a lot of a lot of competition and great basketball. I, I think you're absolutely 100% right. <laughs> so I'm just going on the limb on that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dennis, I really appreciate you coming back on. This It's always a good time. I, I love talking to you. You have great insight on basketball. Wicked knowledgeable, as always. Well, thanks, Jeff. I always have fun coming on and talking to you. Right. Always, a, always a fun conversation. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, I'll keep in touch, and we'll definitely have to have you on once the season starts picking up, too. Absolutely. It'll be fun to... It'll be fun to come on again. All right, great. I really appreciate it. All right, anytime, Jeff. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was my interview with Dennis. Awesome interview with Dennis. I really enjoy our conversations. Actually, Dennis and I are planning on meeting up in New York. We're going to catch a Knicks or a Nets game depending on the schedule and we're actually going to try to shoot a podcast together live which would actually be my first time doing something live with somebody it'd be a lot of fun and hopefully him and i can um touch up touch base and get that to happen hopefully around when basketball season starts maybe in october november we we shall see uh also some great news coming up we have a very big lineup coming up a lot of pro guy a lot of pro nba uh pro basketball players are coming out i should say nba um, some are in the NBA, some play in Europe, overseas. A lot of great interviews lined up coming up to bring to you guys. Um, this is probably going to expand upon into September and maybe mid-September, late September. A lot of fun. These interviews have been, um, I've been extremely lucky. I can't say this enough. I've been extremely lucky. 
and extremely appreciative of everyone I have had on and everyone I have spoken to and has been a part of this podcast. It has been meant so much to me for everyone that's listened, uh, who's taken part of any of my interviews, who's gotten back to me and has taken time to help me get other people to come on my interviews. I can't thank you guys enough for everything you've done for me. Um, you know, as we continue to grow, this is going to be great things to come. I can feel it. Uh, this podcast is going to go somewhere, somewhere far and somewhere far and beyond. I'm very, very excited for this. Um, like I said, we have, I have about like eight professional basketball players coming on, uh, within the next month and it's starting to get booked up, which is awesome. So people are starting to take notice, which is great. I'm super excited, uh, to have this. I hope you guys... I enjoy the podcast, and I always appreciate feedback. I promise it's it's coming soon to other platforms. I'm working on it. It's just been a pain in the butt, especially one of them has been a little bit of a pain in the butt. We're going to get there, though, I promise. So thank you guys for sticking with me uh, and listening, especially all my listeners out there. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys. Um, I hope one day, I hope that those guys that are listening, I hope you guys reach out and I can do something for you guys, give you free merchandise, whatever it is. Um, I really appreciate you guys. So continue listening and there's probably going to be some merchandise giveaway. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Take care of yourselves. and I'll see you on Tuesday. Yeah! <laughs>